Hi, this is Jesse with Red Cloaks Radio, and we are in Extra Innings, and we are really excited today. We've got Kim Cargman from Planned Parenthood as our special guest. Hi, Kim. Hi, excited to be here. Appreciate all the work that, um, that y'all do. Longtime listener, um, excited to be a first-time guest. Excellent. And also joining us as a guest today is Lori Benninger from The Cape. Hello, Lori. Nice to see you. Hello. I'm from Cape Cod Women for Change and also Indivisible Outer Cape and Indivisible Mass Coalition. Wearing a lot of hats, which we appreciate getting the work done. And joining me as co-host today are Martha from Boston Red Cloaks. I'm Laura and I'm here from Boston Red Cloaks and also from Advocates for Women's Empowerment. I'm Karen from Boston Red Cloaks. Kim, we're delighted to have you here today. Planned Parenthood is so important in the lives of pro-choice people across the country and in Massachusetts, especially at this particular time when we have legislation that's important for pro-choice people. We're thinking about the woman behind the building, the woman behind the door. And we'd love to know some of the experiences that have led you to be, in some cases, you know, the face of Planned Parenthood in Massachusetts to this path to be such an advocate for women's choice. Thanks so much, Karen. That's a really great question and I appreciate it. And I think I first just wanna define my role and, and my space within Planned Parenthood. So I am the organizing manager at Planned Parenthood Advocacy Fund of Massachusetts. So I lead our organizing program to engage members, supporters, volunteers and volunteer leaders in grassroots advocacy on behalf of protecting and expanding access to sexual and reproductive health care across Massachusetts. Um, and so in that, in that role, I've been really fortunate to be able to play a leadership role in our grassroots advocacy within the Roe Act Coalition. And that's where I, I, I see you saying that I've been able to be a face of Planned Parenthood in our Roe Act Coalition meeting space. But I do want to acknowledge that, um, you know, Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts and Planned Parenthood Advocacy Fund in Massachusetts have incredible leadership. You know, our CEO and president, Dr. Jennifer Child Roshak, and, and our vice president of external affairs, Trisha Wajda, my supervisor, who, who are bigger um, and wider faces of Planned Parenthood across the state. But I, I definitely appreciate that I'm a face of Planned Parenthood in this space. And I'm happy to tell you sort of how I got there. And my, my route to this role, to organizing at Planned Parenthood here in Massachusetts, is, is a story of two roads converging, a road of reproductive freedom and autonomy being really important in the story of my life and the story of the women in my family um, and the people in my family, and a story of organizing being a passion and um, a, a means for creating change in the world that I you know, have decided to devote my life to um, over the course of you know, the past almost decade and hopefully long into the future. And so first I'll, I'll talk a little bit about reproductive freedom in my family. So my grandmother um, was a law school graduate in 1936 when very few women were law school graduates. Always defined her life as a working mom um, when not a lot of her peers were working moms as sort of being a core path that her granddaughters could follow, being a model path that her granddaughters could follow. Um, and seeing that she was able to balance um, having a family life and having a work life shaped my vision for sort of what it meant to have children and raise children in this world. And then seeing my mom um, make a, a slightly different decision than my grandmother and decide that she wanted to have a career first and then devote her career to her family was a sort of a different view into how having children, you know, and having a reproductive life could shape who you were and what you did in the world and what your work looked like. And so you know, this, this vision of uh, being a woman in the world and being a woman who had passions and defining the sort of the path of your life through the path of your family always for me shaped this idea of having reproductive freedom, of having the ability to choose if you want to parent, when you want to parent, and how you want to parent 
um, as being really fundamental to liberty and to being able to define your life. And I was privileged enough um, to have the ability to sort of make the same decisions for myself that my grandmother and my mom could. But I know that many women and many people here in Massachusetts and across the country don't have the same, don't necessarily have the same privilege or the same access um, to be able to make those decisions only themselves. And so having the opportunity to fight for reproductive freedom, to fight for increased access to healthcare, to fight for increased access to personal autonomy and decision making was really important to me in sort of realizing this, this multi-generational journey of defining, defining you know, reproductive autonomy as a core value. I started organizing in Massachusetts, like many do, a little bit by accident. Um, I started interning on a political campaign and really fell in love with the idea that there were folks in communities who I could learn from, who had been organizing their communities for decades and generations, who became my mentors and leaders, and that I, you know, as an organizer, had the time um, and the, the resources to support them in learning new tools and um, using the resources of our campaign to grow their power and grow the power of the organizing work that they had already been doing in their communities. Um, and I think that's one of the ways that organizing is really powerful. Organizers and organizing infrastructure allows folks who are already leading in their communities and are already doing this work organically to gain a little bit of extra institutional support, some new tools and some new skills in order to do the work already and do the work in an expanded way and do the work in an expanded community. And so that's where in 2017, when I joined Planned Parenthood about three years ago, um, it felt like a really nice confluence of, of these two values of the importance of reproductive freedom in my life and of you know, the skill that I had learned and built and the power of organizing that I had witnessed and been a part of to create change and to support those already creating change in just uh, charging up a little bit, um, having a little bit more, having a few more tools in their toolboxes really interesting thinking about, first, let's separate out the parts of Planned Parenthood that we've talked to Laura about in a different earlier podcast, where there's the education, the health education part. And Laura, maybe you can speak to this a bit and the difference between that part of Planned Parenthood and the separate organization that Kim is talking about. So for listeners, they can understand the different, very strong arms of Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts is um, one of more than 50 affiliates of Planned Parenthood Federation of America. And Planned Parenthood League of Massachusetts, which is the organization that houses our education programming that Laura has already shared with this podcast and listeners, is a healthcare, primarily a healthcare organization that also um, provides education, does both clinical and social science research, and provides services and care to folks across Massachusetts. Planned Parenthood Advocacy Fund of Massachusetts is the advocacy and political arm of Massachusetts. And so our mission is, is most of all to make sure that we are protecting Planned Parenthood patients and protecting um, those who seek access to services, education, and healthcare across the state of Massachusetts. And we do that by supporting legislation and working to support candidates who will be proactive about advocating for legislation that will meaningfully protect um, and expand access to sexual and reproductive health care, um, comprehensive sexual health education, and core issues that we know are intersectional to accessing both of those. Lori, I'm thinking about how campaigns are something really critical that we've discussed when you've been on the show as well, and what it's like trying to work in your corner of the world where some people will or won't be so forthcoming about their position. Yeah, so um, I think Kim is well aware that here on the case, there was, um, back in June, a, a candidate forum. These were new Democratic candidates that are challenging Republican seats. 
And during the forum, three of the Democratic candidates came out and said that they were uncertain or would vote against the Roe Act if it were to fall on their desk in the new term. Cape Cod Women for Change and many other people, uh, including most of the Democratic town committees, jumped on this. And immediately afterwards, two of the candidates said, oh, that they were mistaken. One was not well informed. The other one didn't really mean that he would vote against it. And um, the third one we have not been able to meet with yet. One of the first things I did when I heard the, the forum was I right away contacted Kim and some of the gang in the coalition to say, oh my God, can this be happening and what can we do next? And that was a very valuable thing for grassroots organizers. You know, yeah, we're, we're not just dipping our toe in anymore. We're actually, actually, you know, jumping all the way in and we appreciate the support. And so Kim, could you explain some of the things that you told us would be very helpful? in bringing these candidates around. Sure. So I, I've heard in other episodes of this podcast conversations about youth access and about how for many in the legislature right now, this is an education point that, that helping legislators and people understand that this, uh, this issue of protecting meaningful protections for young people and eliminating the harmful barriers involved in the judicial bypass process is not an issue of, is not a, I don't remember who, it might, might have been Karen that says, a referendum on your personal parenting, but, uh, but is rather an issue of real barriers and onerous barriers that exist um, that disproportionately impact young people of color, young people with low incomes, and um, young people who live further away from health centers and clinics where access to, access to abortion um, is accessible. Um, and on Cape Cod, Cape Cod is one of the regions of the state where there is much less geographic access to abortion care than many other, most other places in the state. The, 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 nearest, um, the nearest clinic where uh, abortion is accessible to Cape Cod is in Attleboro, which is a really significant distance, especially given the lack of public transportation or limits of public transportation, um, you know, and, and, and how hard it is to, to find trans accessible transportation when you're a young person. And might not have a driver's license or access to a car. And it's the Cape, like we just talked to Deb Busser, it's all across the state, Western Mass too. Mm -hmm. People don't have easy access to the bus or to a subway or a train or anything. So it's really a big deal to take off time from work, especially now during COVID. People's jobs are tenuous. They've been laid off. They're picking up jobs, maybe doing Instacart deliveries or something that isn't what they were used to doing. And they really have to be available for their job first. They can't take off a day. There's no day off. So when we have an opportunity where um, an, a representative who is not a supporter of access to safe and legal abortion decides to retire and there is an opportunity to elect someone new in that seat, it's really disappointing when there are no options. The only candidates running on the ballot running for that seat are not supporters and don't understand this concept of meaningful protections for young people um, and the nece necessity of eliminating judicial bypass. Um, and when the, the reasons given are that, you know, I, I don't support this because people in my community don't support this, we as grassroots act activists have a lot of power to change that impression and to change their understanding. And the way that we do that is by organizing in a similar way to how we've been organizing to influence folks who are already in office. 
um, by making sure that people in their communities, when they're out on the trail campaigning or out on the virtual trail campaigning, are talking to them about this issue. Um, and that if they're saying no one in my district really believes that we need to eliminate judicial bypass, that we're working to identify many people in their district who really believe that we're willing to, that we must eliminate judicial bypass. And that those are folks with individual stories to tell, that those are folks like attorneys who have defended young people or who have represented young people in judicial, young people from Cape Cod in, or from the district specifically in judicial bypass cases. That those are folks like um, parents who are willing to say, I, you know, my personal parenting aside, I understand why eliminating this requirement is really important. And I think it's both a game of how powerful and how high impact is the, are the stories that we can gather and can we gather three or four really high impact stories that will impress upon this person, how much this issue matters to their constituents in a, in a deep and meaningful way, and an, a, a scale, and a, a question of scale. And can we show some scale of support through generating phone calls to them or through um, generating letters or emails to them that counters this narrative, people in my district don't believe that this needs to happen, don't believe the judicial bypass must be eliminated. And I know that Lori and Cape Cod Women for Change have started to do this, have started to ask for meetings and show their power in these districts where reps have questioned judicial bypass. I know that one of the, one of the people who spoke out against judicial bypass um, in that July forum has since changed their minds, which is really great and a testament to the grassroots organizing work that Cape Cod Women for Change has done and is doing, you know, and, and there's more work to do to continue to convince uh, folks who still need to be educated and have questions. We love talking to you and there's a whole bunch of things you've opened up. We would love to have you come back on if that's possible. Great. Thanks so much. See you soon. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.